Progressive presents Forest Metaphors about bundling your home and auto. In sports, three goals is a hat trick. And when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, you get a hat trick of great savings and round-the-clock protection. So you might be thinking, wait, that's two things. A hat trick is three. But in this metaphor, great savings counts as two goals and so does round-the-clock protection. So it's like four goals and that's more than three. It's basic math. Forest Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And if you'd like to find out what programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net and we're coming to you around the world tonight on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Simul Radio, and Simul TV. My guest this hour is Rebecca Smuck and she is the Motor City Medium. She is an internationally renowned and respected spiritual empathic medium. She does readings to help those that need healing, insight, and closure by connecting with loved ones on the other side. She also specializes in, um, uh, let me see, how do I explain this? Uh, she specializes in violent or highly volatile hauntings and helps others cleanse their homes. Joining me now from the Motor City is Rebecca Smuck. And Rebecca, welcome to the Exxon. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you started in the world of the um, of the unknown. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. when I was three years old, I drowned in the river uh, outside, you know, in the back of my house. Uh, I was technically dead for two minutes and was revived. Uh, when I came back, uh, which was probably at like kids age two and a half, three years old. Mm-hmm. I had the ability to see dead people, which when you're a little kid is really odd. <laughs> I would tell my mom, you know, there's, there's a man standing in the corner, and she's like, oh, you have an imaginary friend. And I'm like, sure, that's what it is. You know, so, you know, I, I grew up uh, with spirits in my room, spirits mm-hmm. around me, spirits talking to me from the time I was a very small child. So to me, this was always just the way my life was. It, it never was any different. So I guess when your mother said that it was your imagination, you really didn't buy that at all. No, no, I knew that it wasn't my imagination. Mm-hmm. I, I could see them as clear as day, and you know, and I would explain it to them. This guy's wearing like a uniform, and I would I would describe like a uh, fighter, you know, 
pilot's uniform from the World War II, and she says, you're mm-hmm. watching entirely from the TV. You know, she always had a reason uh, for for what I was seeing. And, it, you know, as I got older, I started to realize that children, other children didn't see these things, and they didn't talk about these things, and they kind of brought them Rebecca, we're having a hard time hearing you because I would imagine you're using a cell phone and sometimes your signal is clear, other times it's very muffled and we can hardly understand what you're saying. Oh, well, is, let me try changing locations because I am on a cell phone. I apologize for that. Is this better? Uh, it is. Uh, we'll try it for a little while and see what happens. Hopefully it'll uh, it'll continue to work. Also, being who I am, I mess with electronics and radios and phones and TVs and light bulbs. So that's not unusual for me to uh, get a messed up signal when I'm doing a radio show. I'll yeah. keep moving around so it clears up. Yeah, well, we, we have this problem all the time when people use cell phones. So, uh, you know, we, we, we either work with it or else we just, you know, say to the guest, well, we'll have to get, get back to you when you're on a landline so we don't get this interference. But let's keep going here. Um, okay. At what age did you actually start becoming a professional at what you do? I came out of the paranormal closet, as it were, when I was around 40 years old. So it's been about five years that I've been uh, telling people what I do, helping people with their haunting cases, doing readings, and that kind of thing. Why did it take you so long? I grew up with a mother that told me that if you tell people you hear voices, if you tell... Um, people that you see things or hear things, they're going to put you in a loony bin. So I grew up afraid that I was going to get locked up if I told anybody what it could see or what it hurt. And finally, as, as I got older and, you know, the paranormal TV shows started, mm-hmm. I got braver and I decided, you know, this is something I need to hide. I had a conversation with Amy Allen from Dead Files one night, and she told me, you know, this this is who you are. Don't be afraid of who you are and, and start, you know, getting out there and helping people. And, and what, don't be ashamed of a big part of yourself. And what is The Dead Files? The Dead Files is a show that's on, I believe, the Travel Channel. Mm. Uh, Amy goes into houses. She does a walkthrough. And then her partner, Steve Deshavi, who is a former New York uh, police officer, goes in separately from her, talks to the people, and then at the end they meet up and go over his evidence and her evidence and see if it matches up. Oh, okay, so it's a reality TV show. I, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Now, tell me about some of the houses that you've gone into that were haunted and volatile and what you were able to do. Well, I've been in quite a few. One of the worst ones I had involved a teenage girl. Uh, they were having mm-hmm. cases where, instances where the objects were flying around the house. Um, they were showing up with bite marks, you know, in places where you couldn't possibly bite yourself. <laughs> um, right. And it was all centered around a girl. She was just, she had just turned 13. I went to the house, 
I have a paranormal team that I investigate with. Mm-hmm. We did a thorough investigation. I had her talk to a therapist. I had her take a psychiatric evaluation to right. make sure that, you know, it wasn't some kind of a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. And we determined that, you know, she was perfectly fine mentally, right. that she was not doing this to herself. And I went through the house. She did have some very unpleasant um, entities, for lack of a better word, I'll use that word, in her home that I had to get rid of. It took me three or four tries to get these out of her home. Mm -hmm. Uh, They kept coming back, and that, you know, they would come back with a vengeance even harder the next time. Uh, She went through a lot of mental and actual physical torment before I was able to get them out. That was probably one of my worst cases. I've handled cases where people feel they're being abducted by aliens. Um, There's not much I can do in that case, but, you know, I at least did some research on what was going on with them. There was one woman I had, she had worms crawling out of her skin. (laughs) I mean, these were pure white worms, probably two to three inches in length. I had one sent to a lab, and then it came back as unidentified. Uh, she swears up and down that she's abducted by aliens and that these came uh, from outer space that these worms did. And I couldn't prove otherwise because when we had them tested, like I said, it came back undetermined. Mm-hmm. She was uh, being pulled out of bed. She had unexplained bruises, you know, that kind of thing, and... and I could not find any paranormal activity in her house, so we just wrote that one down as unexplained activity, and she is still having this activity. It's less frequent now, but every once in a while, this she calls me to report that it happened again. Wow, that's un- these, that's these are the unreal, kind yeah. of cases. Yeah, you know, these are the kind of cases that I handle. All right, Amy, you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Exonation, Amy Schmuck is our guest, and uh, her website, uh, go to Facebook. She has a fan page there at facebook.com forward slash Rebecca Schmuck, the Motor City Medium. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. Welcome back, everyone. Rebecca Schmuck is our special guest. And um, it must have been very strange for you leaving what I would imagine is a comfort zone for you if there's such a thing in doing the work that you do. Um, And 
working with somebody who claims to have been abducted. She had these worms coming out of her that could not be identified. How did you deal with it? You know, here you are usually dealing with paranormal activity and how did it feel dealing with someone who claimed to have been abducted by aliens and having space worms uh, coming out of her body? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a unique case. Um, there was a paranormal specialist mm -hmm. that contacted me knowing that I handled, you know, the violent, volatile cases. And he's like, I don't know who else to hand this over to. I really don't, you know, I don't know if it's paranormal. I don't know if it's aliens. I don't know, you know, what's going on. If she has a medical condition. Mm hmm can you help her? And I'm like, I'll, I'll do my best, you know, to assist her. She sent me pictures of these worms, for lack of a better word. Uh, I mean, she sent me more than one picture. There was pictures of them, you know, laying in the bottom of her bathtub, on her floor, you know, actually coming out of her skin. I asked her if she had traveled, you know, mm -hmm. out of the country. Had she been you know, to Africa, she'd been somewhere where she could have gotten in contact with bot flies, and she's like, no, I've never left Colorado, I've been right here, I haven't left the country at all. You know, I had her go to the doctor, they did blood work, they couldn't find anything physically wrong with her. Uh, when she went to the doctor, the worms, of course, mysteriously did not make an appearance, and he, you know, she's like, my doctor couldn't find anything, but, you know, she did send me one in the mail, which I did send to a lab for an analysis, and they're like, we don't know what this is. We don't have, you know, it's un unidentifiable. It could be a new species. We don't know. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you um, a question. So did, they, did, sure. Let me ask you this question. During your investigation, did you ask her if she had any animals, like a cat or a dog at home? I did, and, and she does not. Okay. I asked her if she'd been out in the woods, if she'd come in contact with any, any wild animals, something that she could have picked mm -hmm. up that way. And she's like, no, you know, she's an older lady. She's probably in her mid to late 70s. She's not the kind of person that's going to be out on an adventure. Uh, so, yeah, through, through trial and error and a lot of questions, I kind of narrowed it down. I still don't know what's going on, you know, with that. It, it, it's paranormal activity it's obviously not normal activity mm -hmm. so you know for lack of a better way of putting it we we categorized it as a paranormal case without explanation all right so tell me about some of the haunted volatile cases that you worked on one of the worst cases well a good majority of the cases I handle and some of the worst cases mm -hmm. I handle involve children. Okay. I, I, I specialize in cases where children are being attacked. Uh, one of the worst cases I had, and this was a paranormal team that does not believe in, in psychics. They don't believe in mediums. Mm -hmm. They think they're a bunch of hoo-ha and they're like, well, we're going to test you. We're going to find out, you know, if, if you're the real deal. So they took me to a parking lot in the middle of nowhere, didn't take me to the lo location, didn't tell me anything. And they're like, well, what are you picking up? And I'm like, well, are there two locations? And they're like, we can't answer that. And then they're, I'm like, well, you're asking me questions, give me answers. So you'll find out. And I answered a couple other questions. I'm like, are there children involved? I said, I see something going back and forth between two houses. And they're getting these really quirky, smirky smiles on their face like, oh, yeah, she knows she knows already, and we're not even there yet. So we went to the first home, and they have a three-year-old daughter 
who is as gifted as I was at that age, and she was seeing all sorts of things. Um, she said that there were pirates in her room, and she would describe these men, you know, dressed like pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's and she's three, and they, it's not like they're letting her watch, you know, a lot of TV with pirates. They said she'd never actually seen a pirate, but that's what she was descri- describing, and that's the word she used. Uh, they had a video that I watched where she had been pulled out of bed by her feet and pulled across her bedroom. She had a wolf-like creature uh, that would come up into her room. They would hear it growling. They, they, Sammy listened to an EVP of this creature growling. Um, they did not have a dog in the house. And, and this was close to the microphone, so this wasn't like you know some kind of background noise that was coming from outside. This was right up close to the microphone. So, you know, they, they're like, they brought me into the house and they didn't tell me anything. They're like, go to the room where you feel the most activity. And I went right to the little girl's room and they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, well, what are you picking up? And I'm telling them, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's in the trees. I feel like it's going back and forth between this and another house. And they're like, yep, you're right. And I said, I feel like it's after a little girl that's in this house. And they're like, again, you're right. And I'm like, well, where's the second location? And they took me to the grandmother's house where this little girl spends a good majority of the time. And some of the other people in the house were experiencing the same kind of things, the growling, you mm-hmm. know, the cold spots, the uneasy feeling, um, not feeling comfortable in their own home. And, you know, I kind of... Um, Rebecca, we, we've lost we've lost you again, Rebecca. Is that better? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, sorry. That's your wife's doing that. But there was a creature in the house called an elemental. Basically, what an elemental is is it's a natural spirit. Um, the Native Americans believe in these creatures. We're losing you again, Rebecca. We're losing you again. Okay. Huh, I don't know why. It sounds as it sounds as if you're moving your cell phone into your cheek, muffling your microphone. Okay. All right. Okay. Let me see if I can. All right. I have a really tiny little face. That could be why. All right. How's that? Oh, so far so good. Okay. I'll, I'll keep it away from my face. <laughs> uh, they have these creatures that are called elementals and Native American lore. Uh, these creatures are connected to the earth. They're cryptids, basically, uh, like Dogman, things along that line, Mothman. Those are all cryptids. But they were seeing this wolf-like creature in their house that walked on two feet. They were having dreams about him. He was going into the daughter's, the oldest daughter's bedroom at the grandmother's house who was pregnant and standing over her, mm. making her uncomfortable. And, and you know, I was talking with them, and I, I said, is there a Native American burial ground near here? And they're like, yeah, there's mounds, you know, close to where we're at. And I'm like, did you take something from one of the mounds? And they're like, I don't know how you knew that, but yes, we took some bones and some other little things from one of the mounds and brought them home. My granddaughter dug them up. So I explained to them that, you know, that that is not acceptable in Native American culture and they needed to put them back. Well, it's not even acceptable oh. in any culture to desecrate a grave. No. In fact, it's a, no. crimi- it's a criminal offense. Yes. 
So why? Uh, I did so all that so, so why would these people? Why would these people be so stupid? And so, regardless of of the decency uh, of of you know how one should treat the deceased of any person and, and take bones. Yeah, these these were animal bones. Oh, they were animal small bones. bones. So they, yeah, they figured that they were you know chicken bones or something. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them that sometimes when Native American people pass, they will bury animals you know along in the mound with the people you know. Right. And, you know, it was little trinkets and things. They they didn't realize that, you know, what they had done was was something that was going to cause them trouble. Well, it's, it's called grave robbery. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a small child, and she didn't know any better, and she brought these things home, and but they, what they kind still of parent, had them in the house. But what kind of parents would let their child do that? Yeah. Yeah, I had a, I had a discussion with them about that and mm-hmm. made sure that they put the items back. And what happened um, when the items went back? Um, the activity slowed down, but it did not stop. Okay. So what did you do then? They, I went back out and did another cleansing of the house and then calmed down for a bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they moved to another house. They're still having some activity, but again, their granddaughter is a gifted child. I told them, you're going to have activity um, because she's a, she's a gifted child, you're, you're going to just have to deal with it. It's not to the level that it was at that point. It, it wasn't violent. It mm-hmm. wasn't attacking them. It's just kind of like she says, oh, I see a man standing over there. I see a woman in the corner and that kind of thing. But being a gifted child, of course, she's always going to see those things, and they're just going to have to work with her on that. And I do help them with mentoring So how do you know? Child. How do you know she's a gifted child and not just a child with an overactive imagination? I, I can tell. How? I mean, she says the same kind of things that I said when I was little. She's she's giving too much detail of things that she possibly could not know. Is she an only child? She, she's, she has a seven-year-old sister. Wow. But, uh, yeah, she, she's just explaining in detail things that she wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I'm not, you know, 100% certain she's a gifted child, but based on what they're telling me based on what she's seeing, based on the things that she's talking about, the fact that I validated the things that she had told them, I repeated and said, you know, and they said, yeah, she said that. You know, those are, those are things that this little girl had told them. All right, Rebecca, stand so, by. We've know. got to take our break. Rebecca Smuck okay. is our guest of the Sour Exxon Nation, and we'll be back on the other side of the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. (music) 
Rebecca Smuck is our guest to the Sour Nation. And Rebecca, before we uh, we went to the the break before the news, we were talking about this case that you worked on with this little three year old, and and you mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of times that you cleared her house. How do you do that? Well, for some reason, you know, every medium has a different set of gifts. Mm-hmm. One of mine is being able to remove negative energy or negative entities from homes. I don't know how I do it. It's just something that I can do. I have a 100% uh, success rate with every house that I go into. Sometimes it takes me a couple times, but I always get rid of whatever is in there. Um, one of the cases I had, hit, the woman had been dealing with it for 12 years. I went to her house one time, cleared it, and she was able to sleep. She hadn't slept in her bed in 12 years she slept on the couch i went to her house cleared it and she was sleeping in her bed comfortably the next day she hadn't done that in a very long time i I do it remotely for people sometimes you know i i know the people Mm -hmm. and i've been in their house before i can do what's called remote viewing where i can look into the person's house see what's going on in the house and then clear it that way i I do that quite often too and i know it works because people Will tell me the next day, you know, everything's brighter, everything feels better, we're not having the activity, then, you know, the depression's not bothering me anymore, I'm not feeling so negative. So, you know, and I know that it works. And again, I don't know how I can do that, I just know that I can. Yeah, so I, I make sure and help people with that gift because, you know, that's that's what I'm here to do is, is help people that are, that are having trouble with these volatile or violent spirits to get rid of them and live a more comfortable life and get back to normal in their house and not be afraid to live there anymore. How much of what you do and many other psychics and mediums in the paranormal community is actually a placebo effect? That I have thought about that. Um, that's a possibility. That, that, but the thing is, when I go into these houses, I can feel the negativity. I can feel the heaviness. And when I leave, it's mm-hmm. no longer there. But, that's, you know, I've had people ask me that before, and that's, of course, a possibility. I mean, I'm a logical person. You know, I, I have a degree in psychology. So, you know, yeah, I'm, a, like I said, logical, reasonable person, and that's a possibility. But if it's making them feel better, and I've had them tested, and I've had everything looked into right. to make sure that I'm not going to make somebody worse, mm-hmm then I feel comfortable in doing that for them. And, and I do believe that there are things that we can't explain, things that we can't see. Uh, we, you know, we have a very limited understanding and a limited view of the things that are in our world, I think. Right. I think a lot of people live in a state of denial and ignorant bliss because it, they're better off not knowing and I'm one of those people that goes looking for things that nobody else wants to look at because sure. I want to know what's out there. I want to understand the things that most people don't want to look at. Where did you get your degree? Where did you get your degree in psychology? Uh, Michigan State. And uh, were you a practicing psychologist? No. <laughs> no, I, I got married and, and had four children, so I kind of put that on the back corner and raised four children, and I've never practiced. What is but I do, I do have a degree. From Michigan State in psychology? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what do your children think of you as a, as a medium? And as somebody well, my, my, who... children, mm-hmm. my children are gifted as well. So, you know, they've grown up being comfortable knowing 
that, you know, it's okay, that, right. you know, I never told them what they were seeing. You know, I, I never suggested anything to them. I never put this thought in their head that, you know, there were ghosts in our house. They came to me with things that they were seeing, but I just never made them feel like it was a, a bad thing or that they were crazy. Same thing I do with all ch children that I speak to that are seeing things that most kids don't see. I never make them feel bad about what they're seeing and I never tell them they need to hide it. My children are perfectly fine with it. I do have one of, one of my children, my uh, oldest son, wants nothing to do with it. He doesn't believe in it. And he's, you know, pretty much a skeptic, which is fine. So I, I don't talk to him about it and I don't push it on him. And, I, and you know, he, he's perfectly okay with that. You know, he's a very scientific um, person. And this just isn't something that he can buy into. And there are lots of people that have a hard time that are very skeptical. And I don't push that on them. You were telling I don't us, try to convince them. You were telling us earlier that your mother basically foo-fooed the idea of, of psychic phenomena. What does your mother think now that you're doing it? Well, my mother passed on when I was in my early 30s. Uh, okay. She never got to see me do this. One of the reasons that I tried to improve my gifts was to reach out to her, and I've never been able to reach her. Why do you but, think? Um, why do you think? I, I, why I'm hoping th she mm -hmm. would be proud of me. Why do I think that I can't? I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I've, I've reached out to her many times, and in you know she comes to me in my dreams, mm -hmm. and and I've talked to her that way. And I know a lot of people have dreams about passed on loved ones, and I feel that they use that as a way to communicate. How does your but how I've does, never been able to talk to her. How does your education as a person who has a degree in psychology from Michigan State deal with the world of the paranormal and its pseudoscience or not even a science, not even a pseudoscience, but its its ramifications with certain people where other people have no experiences with the paranormal at all? As far as, you I mean, people that go and do this that have no experience and have no idea what they're doing? Well, people who, uh, for example, you have 100 people who go on a ghost walk. A certain percentage of right. those people will, will experience what they believe to be something paranormal, while the others Correct. have no inclination, do not hear, feel, see anything out of the ordinary. How come some people are... All right, so... So why are some people tuned in and others not? Some people are, are more open. They're more spiritually in tune, I believe, or more open to things that are unusual. Some people don't want to see. They don't want to know. They're, like I said, they're happy living in ignorant bliss, you know, or not knowing, not dealing with it. They just want to believe, you know, you die you're dead. That's the end. But why would you call it ignorant bliss? I, I find that rather strange coming from someone who has, who has been educated as a psychology and, who's taken and has a degree in psychology where they call, just because somebody does not share the belief of another person, calling it ignorant bliss. That makes no sense to me. Well, ignorant bliss in, in the... Okay, I mean that in a way that... They would, they would rather just not acknowledge that those sort of things exist. So they don't believe in it? They don't believe in it. I guess ignorant bliss is, is a 
It's rather, bad way of putting it's rather it. harsh. They, yeah. They, they just they don't want to acknowledge something like that. They'd rather just remain. But once again, once again, you're 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 putting them in a negative category, and I don't understand why. You know, just because they don't believe doesn't make them any more different than you, who is a believer. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, most most mediums look at skeptics in kind of a negative way. But wait a sec, hold um, on, you just did it again. I'm talking about people who don't believe. I'm not talking about skeptics. Just because somebody does not believe that there are ghosts or UFOs does not make them a skeptic. It makes them a non-believer. A skeptic who's somebody who actually goes out and debates their beliefs against the beliefs of another. True. How would you categorize someone like that then? A non-believer. A person who doesn't believe. Okay. You, yeah, I, you, I'm, I can totally accept that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better way of putting it. You know, because so, yes, there are a lot of mm -hmm, people in this world that are non-believers, yes. Why do you think there are non-believers if the paranormal is real? I, I think maybe some people are afraid of it. It, it, it can be overwhelming to think if, if you believe that when you die, mm -hmm. you go on the ground and you're dead, and that's the end. Some people don't want to believe that they carry on, or they're very religious people, and they believe that they go to heaven, mm -hmm. and then that's where they remain, and, and, and that's their ideology, and I'm certainly not going to tell them that's wrong. But how do, you know, like, it, I, I understand what you're saying, but to the other people, you know, though there are those who believe that when you die, your spirit, your soul is released, and you go mm -hmm. to heaven or wherever. Uh, there are those who believe mm -hmm. that when you're buried, you're warm food and away you go. But in exactly. any case, in any case, it's part of what makes that person who they are. It doesn't mean that they're bad. It doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't no, mean that they're wrong. Yeah. They're absolutely, yeah, they're absolutely not bad. Yeah. No, I don't believe that anybody's bad for... Everybody believes what they believe, and no one is bad for, for their belief system. I've never discounted anyone. I've never told anyone you're mm -hmm. wrong. I try to be very open-minded and embrace everybody's opinion as far as the paranormal is concerned. All right, stand by. We've got to take our final break. Exonation. Nation, our guest this hour is Rebecca Smut. And uh, you can find her on Facebook, forward slash Rebecca Smut, the Motor City Medium. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Rebecca Smuck is our guest this hour. And let me ask you something, Rebecca. During the break, I, something was 
uh, came up that I, that I want to ask you. You said that you did not want to become a professional or do psychic work while your mom was alive because she, uh, because of her beliefs. Am I correct? Yeah, she she was afraid for yeah. me. Yes, she, why she thought that I would be <laughs> hospitalized for right. being crazy? Yes. So why did it take so long after the passing of your mom for you to actually start? Same fear. Um, I was afraid that I'd be ridiculed. I was afraid that people would call me crazy. I was afraid I'd be picked on. So I kind of kept it to myself. And then, as I said, paranormal TV shows started coming out. People seemed to be more open Mm -hmm. to it. And I just thought, you know, maybe I should start explaining to people what I can do, what I can see, and, you know, stop being afraid of this big part of who I am. We talked about your kids, and I always like asking, asking a guest about what their what their what their other part, you know, how they take it. For example, your husband, how does he feel about his wife being out there doing all this paranormal stuff? <laughs> Actually, he does it right along with me. He's the co-founder of our paranormal team. Okay. Uh, when I met him, he wasn't into this at all, and it was on one of our first dates that I kind of broke it to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you know, what, what I can do, what I can see. And he took it really well. So that, you know, that was a big game changer in our relationship that he accepted me for who I was and didn't call me crazy and didn't say, oh, you're a loony tune. I don't want to date you. He was like, oh, that's cool. Tell me more about it. You know, I've always, you know, wondered about that kind of thing. You know, I've never been into the paranormal, but it's something that, you know, I might be interested in. He said, you know, I watch Ghost Hunters, and that's about all I do. It kind of scares me, so I, I don't watch it all the time. And then, you know, after he got to know me better, and, you know, we started doing some investigating, going to some locations, he found out that this was really a passion of his, too. So it, it does help our relationship, I feel. Tell it gives me, us a, a common interest in something that we can do together. Tell me about GLAS Paranormal. Glass Paranormal? Yep, yeah, that's my paranormal team. Mm-hmm. What is Glass uh, We're located out of Detroit, Michigan, Dearborn area. Right. Uh, we have 15 members. We investigate all over the state of Michigan. We're also in, we do investigations in Ohio, Illinois. Um, we've been to quite a few places. We have a location that we exclusively do public hunts in, which is the Dearborn Historic Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. We're the only team that leads uh, public ghost hunts through that location. Um, what does GLAS stand for? Great Lakes Apparition Seekers. Apparition Seekers. Ah, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, how we, many, look for, we look for everything. <laughs> how many investigations would you do a year? How many do we do a year? Probably, depending on the year, between, let's see, this year so far we've done about six this year since mm-hmm. the beginning of 2018. And what is we it? We the Randolph Asylum okay. in Ohio. We've done quite a few others. And what is it that your team seeks to do? We try to gather evidence. Uh, we use scientific equipment to do that. We're trying to scientifically prove the existence of an afterlife. Using, how- using scientific methods and equipment. Again, these, this equipment we use wasn't originally created for paranormal research. It's things that we have adapted to 
try and locate paranormal activity. You say you use the scientific method. Who, which member mm -hmm. of your team is a scientist? It's a scientific method. We don't have a scientist on our team, but oh. we do have equipment that which you you know we paranormal is a science. It's it's not a uh. recognized science, but it, we call it scientific investigation because we we it, don't. It's kind of a neat keyword to throw in there to give credibility, right? Mm, no, I mean all paranormal teams say scientific research. We're not the only team. That yeah, no, that. I understand that. I understand that. I'm I'm not saying that in a negative way. All I'm doing is saying okay. that with all the teams out there, you've got to, you know, you've got to have a little bit of a a kick behind the name in order to get recognized. Marketing. That's one way yeah. of looking at yeah. it. Basically, we're trying to prove that it exists using methods other than a medium or a psychic. We, we try to back it up with EVPs or with video or something along that line where we can get concrete, right. physical proof of the afterlife. Let me ask you this. With all the groups sure. that are out there across the United States, uh, for example, in Southern California, 1,500 groups. In Los Angeles itself, 500. Wow. Oh, yeah. How come after that. all these <laughs> years of all of these people going out all of these days and nights searching, nothing concrete has been found? Well, it depends on what you consider concrete. Evidence well, that I've would, seen, evidence that seen, would stand I've up. I've seen evidence... I've seen evidence of things that I can't prove aren't paranormal. I've seen pictures of apparitions. I've heard electronic voice phenomenon, which is caught on a recorder when there was no one else in the room, right. disembodied voices, those kind of things. Those things cannot be explained. Well, yeah, you know, there are there, members. There's no logical explanation. Well, according to members of the quote-unquote accredited scientific community, every one of these things that you just uh, just talked about can be explained scientifically. So uh, this is where we who are not uh, as, as involved in the paranormal world as, as team members across this country of mm -hmm. ours, and we listen to what the paranormal investigators say. We listen to EVPs, and that I've, I'll be honest with you, I have a hard time different, you know, understanding anything that is in the EVP. We hear about the, the apparitions. We hear about mm -hmm. the video. We hear about this. And with everything that a paranormal investigator can come up with as unexplainable, members of the scientific community can, can bring an explanation to it. So where does John Q. Public sit? Where does John Q. Public believe? Do they believe in the paranormal investigator? Or do they believe in the scientific community? This is the problem well, that most of us have. As far as scientific, when you're talking about scientific, uh -huh. um, where, they, where they're discounting or disproving, what kind of things are you talking about? What, give me a, for instance, where they're disproving something. EVPs. EVPs. That's one of the biggest ones. Uh, audio engineers have explained it. Scientists have explained it. Psychiatrists have explained it. In fact... You know, I, you know, what they say is that if the brain hears two parts without being completely heard, it will fill in what it believes is there. Not what is there, what 
is believed to be there. Um, re, uh, EVPs can be anything from uh, uh, microwave pickups, radio transmissions, remote controllers, and the list goes on and on and on. When you do, right, and when you do, ninety-nine percent of mm -hmm. the information that we get, we do discount because we can't prove that it isn't that. Okay. So, what but there is a rare occasion where we get something that we can't discount. We can't say, "Oh, this is that," or "This is that," right. or you know, "This is radio interference," or "This is a dog barking," or "That was someone shuffling their feet." There's things that are so crystal clear. They aren't muffled. They are clear words that we have heard that cannot be discounted as anything else. What about the psychologists and the psychiatrists who believe that what is actually happening is manifesting and being created by those who are actually doing the investigation, like uh, telekinesis or, or advanced ESP, advanced uh, group, uh, what's it called? Um, group hallucinations, for a lack of better words. What, what yeah, we've done research on that, and that, that's a possibility. That's why our, my team, mm -hmm. we're, we're highly, there are things that are investigating. I'm not saying anyone's way of investigating is wrong. We just mm -hmm. do it a little bit differently. We're more likely to throw things out than we are to say it's paranormal. We don't look at every little thing and say, oh, that was a voice. Oh, right. that was this. Oh, that was that. We're more likely to go, that was nothing, or that was a burp, or that was a car driving by. We're, we are trying to disprove. So how would you, and your, how would you and your group, prior to using electronic equipment in your investigation, how do you take a baseline reading? Hello? Can't you hear me? Uh, hello, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, yeah, well, uh, the, the question was, how do you take a baseline reading prior to using any equipment in a place that you're, that you're investigating? We do, uh, we use the EMF reader, which uh, when we go through and do a sweep, what an EMF reader does is it reads uh, electronic... Um, Whoops, that's my producer letting me know that we're just out of time. I want to thank you for joining us, uh, Rebecca. And Exonation, if you would like to uh, find out more. Whoops, Daisy, what was that, Greg? Oh, must have been an EVP or something that was paranormal because it certainly couldn't be Skype disconnecting, could it, Craig? Anyway, Rebecca Smuck was with us. Um, I think the pauses and the lack of cognizant explanations speaks loud in this case, and uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Whatever you do, don't go away. <laughs>